Hey there, you're listening to the Swings and Studies podcast with your host, Jordan Perez. This podcast is designed to give you the latest in college golf in the form of interviews, analysis, the occasional hot take, and some good old commentary. If you want to keep up for more content, follow Swings and Studies on Twitter, at Swings Studies. That's at Swings Studies. Enjoy the episode. Hello there, college golf fans. Welcome to another episode of Swings and Studies, your favorite college golf podcast. I I hope so. Um, Goodness gracious. It's so hard to kind of formulate words in terms of not only the aftermath of all the excitement that we're coming off of with the Masters ending. um, It's excitement for me, at least, I think, because the Loam race was a little crazy between that battle with Augustine and Ogletree, maybe not so much for everyone else because DJ had kind of had the tournament in the bag by Saturday, and I mean, that shaky Sunday start kind of gave way to maybe Cameron Smith and Sungjae I'm coming in and possibly taking the green jacket, but they, went, they couldn't even come close. I mean, DJ on all accounts, I mean, the driving... The ball striking, the putting, every part of his game was all was near perfection. I I mean, wow, wow. Because you you see, if you follow the Masters, that he's up the scoring record for the tournament in tournament history. And now you can throw that on whatever a November Masters playing easier, whatever. The course definitely played longer, and I think that course was suited a million times to DJ's game. So. Congrats to Justin Johnson. I mean, I know this has kind of been said everywhere, but, like, it was a truly well-deserved major. I mean, I've been waiting for DJ to cop a green jacket for who knows how long. And he did it. So, hats off to DJ for an awesome master showing. Um, But what we're mostly focused on here is the Silver Cup race. Or was the Silver Cup race? Because, goodness, that was... That was something, and I think I'm a little more surprised that it wasn't closer, um, because my pick originally was Augustine. If you've been following this podcast, you knew that I felt that Augustine, I think, was in his best form. Ogletree had been, he'd been playing well lately, but I don't think he'd been playing quite as well as Augustine, but Ogletree mentioned that he felt his game was suited more for a course like Augusta. Both players have had experience practicing, playing on Augusta, and whatnot, but it was going to kind of come down to both of them playing in actual competitive rounds at the Masters, and Augustine really took advantage of the conditions at Augusta. He shot a 69 his first round, um, and even 72, and he slept up pretty hard. On the weekend, shot two seventy fives in a row on Saturday and Sunday, and it wasn't really what I was expecting out of him. I mean, I think the winds and the temperature picking up definitely got to everyone, but especially him. I don't. I don't. I think it was a matter of just getting comfortable, and truthfully, when you compare it to a- Andy Ogletree, who 
honestly didn't even begin the tournament comfortable and he admitted that he was like I was really nerved up playing um shot 73 his first round right um but then round by round he improves and it was it was a really neat thing to see. I mean, it, it was really attributed. I have to attribute it to course management and, you know, in staying mentally engaged. And he really, really weathered the storm, if you will, that was playing in November Masters. And it was a really impressive showing for him, not only him, but Augustine as well. Both of these guys were competing so well among these pros i mean beating out guys who have played this course dozens of times so and it's interesting you know augustine made an eagle with which was such a sick shot and both of both of their par and bogey numbers are pretty close like augustine shot 41 pars opal tree shot the 45 pars and they both shot the same amount of bogeys like single bogeys not counting double bogeys they had some really really close numbers you know you'd think you'd think that they'd be a little bit further apart but they weren't and it was it was a really interesting showing I know there were I know there was a five stroke lead between the two at the end um and that's a pretty that's a pretty significant deficit especially when you're playing at Augusta but Ogletree playing himself into the silver cup and coming out on top was incredibly exciting and I mean he spoke his truth he lived his truth the the course was really suited for his game I mean that's Augusta is a course for a ball striker a driver a putter every inch of your game every part of your game has to be in top form if you want to come out on top at Augusta and I mean through every every tricky shot every you know every gnarly par four these guys really bested them and I think they did an excellent job so hats off to both of them they did so well for first-time Masters competitors and congrats to Andy Ogletree for pulling it out and getting getting the silver cup. So enough Masters talk. Uh, we've got one more major for the year, and that's the U.S. Women's Open. Uh, that's taking place in Houston from December 10th to the 13th. Now I know that's a little less than a month away, and I'm going to go fully into that coverage because... There were a lot of amateur golfers that recently copped some invites. And the field is kind of set at this point of who's competing and who's not. Um, That's a pretty big deal. I think, you know, not having the Augusta National Women's Amateur was, was a little infuriating to me. Because I didn't understand how the Masters could be ran without the Augusta National Women's Amateur? I don't know. It There was never really an explanation as to why that never happened. And that really bothered me because that, that was a landmark event. And a lot of what Augusta was trying to do this year was kind of embracing a lot of social changes. And I was really excited about that. But in the same breath, why did you 
put off the Augusta National Women's Amateur. I mean, it, they could have rescheduled it. They could have done anything. I mean, you couldn't host that tournament for these women. I don't know. But I'm really glad that the U.S. Women's Open opened it up, so to speak, to so many amateur golfers. It was really exciting. Um, you know, I'm again, I'm going to fully delve into that coverage as that gets closer, but... I'm going to list off a couple of the highlights of who's competing out there. Uh, Gabby Ruffles, who will have a little bit of a warm-up, who's played professional tournaments before, but she'll be warming up at the Pelican Women's Championship at Pelican Golf Club uh, this week um, in a stacked LPGA field. Rosang will be out there. Ingrid Lidbad of LSU. Uh, Pauline Roussin Bouchard of... South Carolina will be out there. Lynn Grant of Arizona State. Emilia Migliaccio of Wake Forest. Alessia Nobilio of UCLA. Uh, just a couple of the biggest names that are going to be out there. Um, I believe they pulled from... They pulled from what it looks like, like a top 30-ish list um, of amateurs. and kind of combined that and sent the invites out that way. So... That's really exciting. I mean, I kind of thought, okay, like we're not going to see any of these women compete like a like on a really largely competitive stage, but we are in less than a month, and I couldn't be more hyped. So, really excited for that. I'm trying to contain all my excitement for that moment, December 10th through 13th. You know where I'm at. You know where I'll be. No, I'm not going to be there, but I'm going to be here making a podcast being overly excited about it so congrats to all the amateurs who were invited and are going to compete out there that's going to be not only an incredible opportunity to play a major but to have another chance to watch some college golfers uh play at an incredible course so stay tuned for that coverage that'll be in the next few weeks um we've got another platform for college golf and I kind of I didn't really rant per se I kind of begged for another college golf event so to speak and I got what I college golf showcase that benefits um, military foundations on December 16th it's an 18 hole event and it'll be aired on golf channel which is super exciting super super cool um Words can't really um, explain how excited I am because this event is limited to four college golfers, okay? And has serious PGA Tour U implications. So the four featured golfers are Austin Ekro of Oklahoma State, who's number four on the PGA Tour U list, Garrett Raband of Oklahoma, who's number seven, Mac Mesner, Number eight, Trevor Warbrillo of Arizona, number 10. So these are all top 10 PGA Tour U players. And need I remind that the top five, there's only one top fiver, finishers from the final official PGA Tour U ranking list receive Corn Ferry Tour membership and they're exempt into all open um, events. And the numbers 6 through 15 have membership on the different PGA Tour international tours. So we've got 
got a couple. We've got a, we've got top ten players, right? Um, nobody that's fringe that wouldn't earn an international tour status. So if everything ended today, right? Only one of these players, Austin Ekro, would earn Corn Ferry status, and Reban Mesner and Warbilo would get international tour status, depending on wherever they where will end up, right? So these guys are really playing for um, quite an opportunity. I mean, Ruben is the only one I would say is like a fringe player. And depending on how he shows up, like at the showcase, we could see him crawling into the top five. I don't know. Sandy Scott hasn't played in a while, who's number five. So I feel like depending on the re-ranking that he could slip, who knows? Either way... Super hyped for this event. Um, they've got they've got a couple of celebrities actually that are taking part, um, including Darius Rucker, Rob Riggle, Brian Urlacher, and Jerome Bettis. So that's gonna be really fun. Um, a mix of some different big names and college golfers. And again, this is such another exciting platform that is not only for charity but for college golf. And it isn't quite over. And I'm so excited that these. Events are being broadcasted. Yes, I know this is a newer one. It's an 18-hole event. It's not, you know, it's not like a 54-hole or 72-hole grind, but it's still really, it's a stacked event. You've got top 10 players who are competing and trying to figure out what their lives are going to look like after this college golf season. So I'm incredibly stoked for that event. It's going to be super cool. Um... That event, again, is in the next coming weeks, and I'll dive even further into coverage and what that'll all entail in terms of these specific players closer to that time. But obviously, I can never, I feel like I can never stay silent when it comes to my, the thrill of watching college golfers on broadcast. Because you've got to understand, someone that's been covering college golf for Again, it's it's fairly new to me. I mean, like within like the past like two-ish years or so, it's it's really hard to access these events and watch them. And again, I started as someone when I was in college, so you know, I wasn't someone who could just pull up to an event and be like, "Hey, like I'm here." Like I was also a full-time student. Um, I have a full-time job outside of this podcast, so you know, I can't be pulling up to events at my own leisure as much as I wish I could. But it's really, it's really exciting for someone who's obviously the fan in me who really enjoys watching college golf because if I wasn't a fan, like, why would I even be doing this podcast? Um, you know, we really get to see the nuances and the specifics of what's going on outside of a scorecard or outside of a really quick write-up. So, you know, that was a bit of a jumbled-up ramble about... Um, my enthusiasm for college golf broadcasts. Um, but I'll never stop talking about how happy it makes me to watch these events happen. You know, I was kind of convinced we weren't going to see anything else, and by the schedule, it didn't look like anything. But guess what? We're getting more, and I couldn't be more excited. So uh, I'm going to wrap this podcast up. I know it was... No, it wasn't super, super analytical. I mean, again, things are slowing down. We are coming out of a 
really awesome Masters week, personally speaking. <laughs> and we've got some really great events on the horizon. So delving more into that coverage as they get closer, like I said. Just hoping all of these golfers are recouping and resting. I mean, I know Gabby Ruffles is competing um, this week, so it'll be really cool to see to see her more of in a, in a professional scenario. But yeah, uh, that wraps up this week's episode. Thanks for listening.